Welcome to Petrifaction. I'm your host, Petey. And if you like stories about ghosts, monsters, vampires, the weird and mysterious, UFOs, Bigfoot, and other cryptids, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. comes from Five Chilling Instances of Slips in Time by Tony Walker. Tony says, The first time I remember taking a definite interest was when I was writing a book called The Ghostly Guide to the Lake District. As well as collecting local folklore and well-known legends, I wanted to bring the material up to date and demonstrate that people continue to have paranormal experiences. I wrote the book in 1998 and I put a notice in a local newspaper asking people to get in touch. A woman called Angela Charlton got in touch. At the time, I was living in a town called Penrith, and this story happened to Angela in Penrith. Stranger still, at the time she had the time slip experience, she lived in the same house I was living in when I wrote the book. Penrith, Cumbria. Angela reported a strange experience as she walked on a steep path between pine trees up to the top of Beacon Hill that overlooks Penrith. At the time, she was a teenager. Angela would often climb the Beacon when she wasn't at school, and and it's still a popular local walk. One hot day in August in the mid-70s, Angela and a friend set out onto the path from Beacon Edge. The walk takes about 15 minutes and the path has many abrupt angles as it zigs and zags through the the trees. The trees crowd thickly around the track as it climbs over craggy sandstone outcrops. Soon you feel quite apart from the everyday world. It's an odd feeling and you can have the impression that someone is watching you from the woods on either side. You go up and up, changing direction and losing sight of the path below and behind you. As Angela and her friend climbed that day, they chatted away, but Angela reports how the atmosphere grew increasingly heavy. 
as if there was thunder in the air. They'd walked up many times and weren't taking much notice of their surroundings until they turned a corner and stopped. They both saw it, an old-fashioned cottage, roughly made of stone. Angela says that it was like a dwelling from the Middle Ages. And the trouble was, there had never been a cottage there before. Smoke was coming out of the chimney, so someone was at home. Angela says that there was a very uncanny feeling about the place. She looked at her friend, and as the door began to open, they both fled. When she worked up the courage to climb the hill some months later, the cottage wasn't there. Her friend would never talk about the experience. As you would imagine in the years since, I've taken one or two walks up that path in the snow and the sun, but I've never had the slightest inkling of a time anomaly. This experience happened in Pembroke, Wales. Over the next few years, I taught an evening class on ghosts and legends for adults. I told the story of Angela Charlton and one man, Roger, who I happened to know from outside the class, told me his tale. Roger said that he and his family had visited Pembroke Castle in Wales. They were climbing the tower, and he was a flight or two ahead, ahead of his family. When he reached the top of the castle tower, he glanced over the river, and he saw it was full of medieval boats. Well, he thought there must be some kind of festival going on, but when he remarked on it, not only had his family not noticed it, but when they went out to look at the river, there were no boats. Roger had no explanation for this and didn't make a big deal of it. He probably wouldn't have mentioned it at all if I hadn't told him the story about the girls climbing the hill in Penrith. There's a story of Alice Pollock who visited Leeds Castle in Kent. Pollock was born into the minor aristocracy, and this may have allowed her entry to Leeds Castle in, the, in a time when it was not generally open to the public. Leeds Castle is a famous and picturesque castle not far from London. Alice was psychic, and she was trying out some psychometry in Henry VIII's old room. Psychometry is the technique where a psychic will touch an object and learn about its history from the impressions they pick up. Touching various objects in Leeds Castle propelled Alice back into the past. The castle changed and became cold and bare. The carpet vanished and there was a blazing fire piled with logs. Alice saw a tall woman pacing back and forth in the room, apparently lost in concentration. In an instant, all returned to normal. Later research informed Alice that the room in which she had the vision had been the prison room of Joan of Navarre. Joan of Navarre was Henry V's stepmother, who was imprisoned after being accused of plotting against the king. She was found innocent and released ultimately. This story comes from Alice Pollock's autobiography, Portrait of My Victorian Youth, Nature, Natural, and Supernatural, published in 1971.
another very spooky case in which time seems to have slowed down considerably concerns a witness only identified as Douglas, who claims that in 1981, he and his father had a rather frightening time anomaly experience when they went to take a look at a house for rent in Austintown, Ohio. They arrive at the house at 6 a.m. and immediately are taken aback by how shabby and badly maintained the house is. As they made their way through the weed-choked yard, they apparently saw two old rusty swings and heard the faint sound of children's laughter, which was a bit unsettling, but which they just chalked up to the wind and kids across the street. A peek into the house's garage showed that it had a dirt floor and was completely empty. At this point, they were already getting a very strange sense of faint dread pervading the location. They found the side door unlocked and pushed. they pushed in to venture inside, where the nagging sense of bizarreness continued. The lights apparently didn't work, but they could see well enough to make out the off-kilter layout of the home, which consisted of a large windowless room with hallways branching off of it. The only light was a lonely ray that stabbed into the room from the small window on the door they'd come through. They tried the basement door, but it was firmly locked. In fact, it was the only door that was locked. After looking around a bit, they tried the basement door one last time, and it actually opened this time which gave the witness an inexplicable feeling of foreboding. What's more, the lights worked there, too. Despite the overall bad vibe they were getting from the basement, they tentatively ventured down the stairs anyway, and the witness would say of the surreal events that happened next. Dad proceeded to go down the steps, but I was leery. I went down. The basement was small. There was an old ringer washer with a loaded revolver on the lid. It was like the silver and ivory handled cap guns that kids use today. I picked it up four inches off the lid and out of the corner of my eye I saw a light cord moving. The lights went out and the door slammed shut. It was so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I felt aimlessly for my dad holding his shirt. We went up the stairs. At the top, he stopped and let out a blood-curdling scream. It made my blood run cold. I pushed him and he pushed the door open. All the lights were on and it was dark outside. After jumping in the van, Dad turned the headlights on. The garage doors were open. There was a lamb lying on the dirt floor with its throat slashed, jerking violently, and blood was running into the dirt. Adding to all of this, they soon realized that, although they had been in the basement only about five minutes, 21 hours had passed outside, and that concerned people had been looking all over for them. They apparently drove by the house again, later to find that it had been boarded up and had a sign from the FBI warning away trespassers. According to the witness, he never did find out what his father had seen down in that basement 
as he had refused to talk about it until the day he died. Nor did any explanation emerge for why so much time had passed as they were down there. It's really hard report to figure out and seems to describe some sort of temporal anomaly. But just what happened remains unclear. One of the weirder stories that has circulated in recent times is that of a tunnel in London. It supposedly serves as some sort of time portal where the flow of time seems to slow to a crawl or even a full stop. In July of 2017, a very odd report came out of a site called Portals of London describing a peculiar time anomaly that supposedly occurred at the historic Woolrich Foot Tunnel, which spans under the Thames River and has been in operation since 1912. Well, in 2011, the foot tunnel was closed down in order to carry out renovations and refurbishments. When the contractors went into the tunnels to begin their work, they did so expecting it to be a fairly quick job, and it wasn't expected to take more than a few months at most. However, the tunnel was supposedly closed for more than a year and a half, a delay which baffled the residents of the area. Talking to the workers who had been down there started to paint a very strange picture as they allegedly began to report having experienced strange time anomalies while walking through the tunnel, such as walking in the tunnels for hours only to emerge back into daylight to discover that only a few minutes had passed. Or of walking through the tunnel to find that the trip had inexplicably taken far less time than it should have. One worker on the tunnel purportedly told of a strange experience he had in the Woolrich Tunnels. I was one of the first ones to experience it. We were working from both ends, as it were, and had tents on both sides of the river. It was pretty basic. If you wanted something from the other side, you just had to walk through the tunnel. Anyway, the foreman's on the other side, and he radios to ask me across. So, I walk through the tunnel. The long walk, we called it funnily enough. And it's slightly spooky because no one else is down there. They're all working on the lift shafts, and I get up to the other side, find the foreman. His eyes nearly pop out of his head. Says he only radioed me a minute ago. And how did I get there so quick? Wouldn't take my word for it that I'd walked. He reckoned I'd had a buggy down there or something, that it was some kind of prank. But I stand my ground and he starts to see that I'm not lying. Anyway, he forgets what he called me over there for. So he gives me this big red plastic box and tells me to walk back over and hold it up for him to see when I get to the other side. So I walk back down. 
the lonely walk back, thinking, shouldn't we be, be getting on with some work? When I get to the top, I wave the red box in the air and radio the foreman. You just left me, he's saying. Not more than a minute ago. That's when I start to feel a bit weird. Apparently, strange time slips and other temporal anomalies become rather commonplace down there in the murky gloom as they worked, and no one had any rational explanation for it all. It became such a reliable given that time slowed down or even stopped in the tunnel that workers allegedly stopped even trying to use their watches to tell time. One worker explains, My initial feelings was I was pretty freaked out by it all. But once everyone else had experienced it, it was amazing how quickly it seemed normal. It became like a joke. It was a laugh, you know, a source of giggles. Someone said we'd invented the teleporter and we're all going to be rich. The foreman stopped trusting watches and phones when we were down there and took to using egg timers. A few of the young agency lads tried to claim extra on their timesheets. That was the thing, though. Time froze when you were down there. Some workers apparently tested out their theory that time was actually stopping for them by camping out for a whole three days down in the dank tunnel. When they finally emerged into the outside world, it was claimed that the day and the time was exactly the same as when they had first descended into the dark to begin their odd experiment. In another experiment, one worker named Peter tied a rope around his waist and had others hold onto the other end. The idea was for him to walk through the tunnel with the rope and then signal the others with the red flag when he got to the other side, after which other workers would shout out to the ones holding the rope that he had crossed, and then pull on the rope. Seemed like a pretty standard, even silly bit of experimentation and fooling around. But things would apparently get very weird very fast. One of the people holding the rope said of what happened, I'm kneeling down and craning my head down so I can watch Peter walk around the curve. The tunnel bends in an inverted bow underground. And he laughs and waves at me for a minute and then gets bored, keeps walking. And he's just about to round the curve, just out of sight. It hasn't been long, just a minute or so. Around the same time, it took us to walk down the steps. And I feel the rope tighten around me. Then I hear the lads up top. He's across, waving a red flag. Um, the thing is, Peter hears it too, and he stops and turns around. He's looking at me. His hand slowly reaches into his big jacket pocket, and he pulls out the edge of his large red flag. For a moment, I grin. I mean, I reckon they're all having one on me. But it's the look on his face that still haunts me. Nobody's that good of an actor. His face. He's a big man, mind you, fearless. Our Peter was a big character. Always at the center of things, always with his great big smile. Never saw him take anything too serious in all our days till then. I don't know how to describe it. It was, it was fear. It was just plain fear on his face. And he's looking right at me and I know what he's thinking. I know what he's trying to figure out. Do I keep going or do I come back? 
He takes a step towards me, then stops. I don't know how long we looked at each other like that, neither of us talking. Then in the end, he turns around again and carries on out of sight. Well, I'm up those stairs like a shot. When I get up top, there he is across the river. Unmistakable even from that distance. Anyway, I didn't like that. I mean, that freaked me out, that did. The whole bonker story really took off when it was first released on the site and generated a lot of discussion and speculation on whether any of it was real or not. However, while there are those who hold it up as a genuine time anomaly in a real case, others have criticized it as being nothing more than a fictionalized tale passed off as an actual account of the unexplained. The story of the Woolwich Tunnel time anomaly is fascinating either way. One of the most famous recent time slips is that of Bold Street in Liverpool. On a sunny day in July 1996, an off-duty policeman named Frank went shopping with his wife Carol in Liverpool City Centre. Carol went to buy a copy of Irvine Walsh's Train Spotting at Dylan's Bookshop on Bold Street. While Frank went to purchase a CD at HMV on Rainlaw Street, he bumped into a friend and had a chat, and then about 20 minutes later, he strolled to Bold Street to meet his wife. Upon strolling up the incline from the central station, he noticed an unusual quietness. Frank noticed the street was cobbled where it never had been before. And instead of modern clothes, people wore clothes from the 50s. Frank was startled by a loud horn and a box van with the name Kaplan's on its side sped past, just missing him. Crossing the road, Frank saw in place of Dylan's bookshop was a large store with the name Crips over its two entrances with a window display containing women's handbags and shoes. Frank saw a young woman dressed in the clothes of the mid-90s. She was wearing jeans and a sleeveless top. She also carried a bag branded with Miss Selfridge, a store that was not in Liverpool in the 50s. This modern girl entered Cripps looking baffled, and suddenly the whole street scene reverted to 1996. Frank asked the young woman if she saw the same things he'd seen, and she said she had, and seemed frightened. One very strange type of time anomaly is what is often referred to as a time loop, wherein people claim to be reliving the same moment in time more than once sort of like in the film Groundhog Day. These weird cases are closely tied to the phenomenon of deja vu in that the subject can have experiences right down to the last detail which they are positive they've lived through before. One very odd case of this allegedly happened in 2015 when a 23-year-old British man went to the doctors with the rather bizarre claim that he was con constantly reliving past moments of his life and that he had been stuck in these time loops for a staggering eight years. 
The man claimed that he had regularly been haunted by repeated phantom memories of having done or seen or heard everything he did since 2007, to the point where he was afraid to even watch TV, listen to the radio, or read news because it was always all something he had already seen. By his own admission, this was more than just deja vu, and he described it as being trapped in a time loop, wherein he wasn't just having a familiarity with something, but was rather vividly reliving the exact same past experiences moment by moment. Dr. Chris Molan, a cognitive neuropsychologist at the University of Bourgogne, said of the strange condition, This man was striking because he was young, otherwise aware, but completely traumatized by this constant sensation that his mind was playing tricks. There was one instance where he went to get a haircut. As he walked in, he got a feeling of deja vu. Then he had deja vu of the deja vu. He couldn't think of anything else. Doctors who examined him could not find any apparent health problems or neurological issues, and brain scans showed that everything was completely normal. Psychological evaluations also showed that he had no problems or issues that could be ascertained, which only deepened the mystery. Having such markedly intense and chronic bouts of deja vu are usually associated with conditions of the temporal lobe or neurological damage. Although the mystery remains unexplained, and indeed the phenomenon of deja vu in general is poorly understood and still largely a mystery, doctors theorize that in this case, it could all be simply the result of anxiety. In another example of a time loop, Ryan Bratton claims that one day he was sitting in his yard with a friend when something very strange happened. He describes it as this. A car came down the road and stopped at a house. A kid got out and ran inside, making noises that kids around that age make. Then a girl rode her bike down the driveway. A couple of minutes after this happened, the same car went down the road, stopped at the house, and the same kid got out of the car ran inside screaming the exact same things he'd been before. Then the girl went down the hill on her bike again. I looked over to my friend and he said he had no idea what had just happened. In other cases, rather than reliving a moment, it seems as if the witnesses are experiencing, perceiving themselves in a different point in time. One lady, known only as Sherry Ann, and her husband seemed to have had such a strange incident. One day Sherry was doing chores as her husband and two-year-old child sat in the living room watching television. And as she did, the baby monitor suddenly sprang to life with noise. It was very odd as there was no one in the toddler's bedroom. And so she leaned closer to the monitor to see what the commotion was. It quickly turned out to be her own voice telling the story of Jack and the beanstalk as her toddler reacted and spoke as well, which was quite a shock as a look down the hall showed that they were still in the living room with her son now asleep on her husband's lap. 
even stranger still was that she had told that same story to her child five hours earlier. Sherry would say of the anomalous event. Now I stood in disbelief as I heard the drawers being pulled open and, and shut and rustling of the toys and the books just being put into their proper places. But I nearly fainted when I heard my son's voice over the monitor. I kept looking back and forth, back and forth at my husband and now sleeping son in the chair in the living room and the monitor sitting on my dresser that was literally replaying the specific events from earlier the day. The monitor is a standard baby monitor bought from Walmart. It's not a recorder, but instead monitors the sounds coming from the room as they're happening at present time only. I listened as my voice retold the story of Jack and the Beanstalk and listened with familiarity as my son responded in baby talk to the tale he'd never heard before. The incredible part was this all happened five hours earlier on the same day. I quickly called my husband into the room as he listened to the last part of the story with my voice coming through the monitor and our son's coos and chuckles. He stood stunned and turned his head and looked at our sleeping son flopped peacefully over his shoulder. In disbelief, he said, How in the hell? As his voice drifted off trying not to miss a thing, I, I just stared at him in the same disbelief and we both just shook our heads. bit of a different time phenomenon is rather than repeating a past experience the witnesses experience future events before they actually happen I guess this seems to have happened with not only individuals but also several people at once one such case concerns a woman named Eula White who grew up in a rural Alabama in the 1920s at the time of her mysterious experience, she was living in rural Alabama, and one morning she purportedly had quite the odd in incident indeed. That morning, Eula gathered out in front of the farm of a Mr. Hawkins with some other women in order to prepare some bushels of peas and beans. It was all fairly common, and at some point Mr. Hawkins came out of the house, saddled up the horse, and rode off towards town with Mrs. Hawkins running out to remind him to get a bag of flour while he was there. She explained the odd sequence of what happened next. About mid-afternoon, we were still on the porch shelling peas. We looked up and saw Mr. Hawkins approaching the house. The road leading to the house came off the main road and was about 300 feet long and ran directly up to the porch. So we could see him coming quite clearly. Thrown across, across the saddle in front of him was a large white sack of flour. Cradled in his left arm was a brown bag of other groceries. We watched as he rode up to the gate and stopped there, waiting for someone to open it. One of the boys ran to the gate and opened it. Then, in full view of all of us women and children, Mr. Hawkins vanished. He just disappeared instantly. We sat there for a second or so, just astonished, then terrified. We began screaming after a few minutes. We did calm down, but there, there was still, we were still shaking and confused. We just didn't know what to do. So after a while, we went back to shelling peas, but, but all of us, the children too, huddled up there on that porch, afraid. 
Mrs. Hawkins made one of the boys close that gate. Then half an hour later we looked up again and Mr. Hawkins running down toward the house with that same white sack of flour across the saddle in front of him and that same brown bag of groceries in his left hand. Again he rode up to the gate without a sound and stopped. None of us had the nerve to open that gate. We were all just too afraid to move. We just sat there staring at him, waiting to see what would happen next. Finally, to our relief, Mr. Hawkins spoke. Well, is someone going to open the gate for me? Mr. Hawkins got there before he arrived. Loosely related to these is another phenomenon known as jamais vu, which is sort of the opposite of déjà vu, in that it involves a person being in what should be a familiar place, yet feeling as if something is strangely different, as if they've never been there before. This oddity has been theorized to be anything from a mental glitch to proof of alternate parallel dimensions. But it seems that in some cases it is perhaps due to some sort of temporal anomaly. One witness of such a phenomenon, calling herself Mel B., tells of her own experience in which a place she knew well became suddenly unrecognizable and alien because of some sort of bizarre time slip. She describes her incident thus. My husband and I live in the deep woods of East Texas, near a tiny place called Mount Sylvan. I'd been having some medical tests done at a hospital nearby. I went for testing three days in a row, always with the same routine. I parked in the same small parking lot, walked through the double doors, leading to the first floor cardio testing area, turned right at the gift shop, and signed in at the desk. I always exchanged some casual conversation with the same young and very pleasant blonde receptionist. There was a small sitting area across from her desk, with a door leading to the phlebotomy lab right behind her cubicle. The door to the lab was always open, and the sight of patients sitting in the exact type of chairs, even the same color, that I saw my late mother sit in for her last chemo treatment was just too gut-wrenching. She had died a year ago. I even heard a patient in the lab comment on the new chairs, and a nurse replied that the hospital's oncology department had donated them. I decided to sit across the hall anyway. Last Friday, my husband went back to the hospital with me to hear the test results. He'd never been there before. Usual routine. We parked, walked in, turned past the gift shop, and, and there was no check-in area. I stood and stared in total shock. No desk, no chairs, no blonde receptionist. And the door to the lab was on the other wall. The other seating area was just as before. I started to walk up and down the hall searching for my check-in area. But it was nowhere to be seen. A doctor walked by, noticed my confusion, and asked what I was looking for. When I told him that the place I checked in for my test was missing, he laughed. He laughed and said that it had been moved to the second floor three years earlier because they needed more space. What's going on here? It's hard to say. Here we have looked at a wide 
range of temporal anomalies for which there is probably no one complete answer. We're left to wonder just what's going on in these cases and to scratch our heads trying to figure out just what these people experienced. Questions abound. Are some of these merely tricks of perception or the misfiring of neurons in the brain? How would this explain accounts of multiple witnesses experiencing the same thing? Are these cases just tall tales, exaggerations, or hoaxes? Or is there something very strange going on beyond our understanding of how time works? If so, what exactly is happening? And how? The answers to these questions are elusive and one's left to wonder whether time as we know it isn't exactly what we think it is and far stranger than we imagine. Hey friends, this is Petey. I have something special for you. Have you noticed I haven't done a lot of hauntings and ghost stories? Oh, that's not by accident, friends. Halloween is just around the corner. October is my favorite month of the year. I love Halloween. That's kind of why I love doing this podcast, because with Petrifaction, we can have Halloween stories all year long. I love it. But for Halloween, I wanted to do something special in October. And I decided that October for Petrifaction is going to be stories about ghosts and hauntings to get in the mood for Halloween. I hope you like that idea too. So come back next time. We're going to have another show featuring a ghost story or a haunted hotel or haunted mansion or whatever. It's going to be about ghosts and hauntings. That's all friends. Be petrified. That's all for today's podcast. I thank you for tuning in and I hope you liked the show. If you did, please tell a friend, give us a rating, and hit subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on Petrifaction, you can contact me at Petey at Petrifaction at ProtonMail.com. And remember to check out today's show notes for more information on today's stories. Please return next time to hear more stories and friends be prepared to be petrified. <laughs>